Hello and welcome to Rich in Relationship. And today I'm speaking with Francine Stedman, who is the founder of Buddha Boots and co-founder of Mindset. How are you today, Francine? I'm good, Rich. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so really? glad that you could make it. Great thing about a pandemic, it makes people much more available. It really does, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier to get from place to place or podcast to podcast, if you will, um, yeah. virtually. So Francine, you are an expert in mindfulness and meditation and possibly also prayer, which science shows is, fires up similar areas in the brain. I'm curious, what is it about your life that sort of drove this passion for what you do? So I think the story is pretty consistent over time that sort of the necessity of something was the, the mother of invention. And that was the same case for me, having um, gone through some tumultuous times in my life and a not so pretty divorce and taking care of my three kids and working four jobs <laughs> to make ends meet. Uh, one of them was a little bit over the top for me. And I hit that point of really needing a Buddha booth. Mm. And literally that was the name that came to me. And um, I, I'm like, I just need a Buddha booth. And turns out there was no such thing. So I, I found the, um, you know, the catalyst to be the necessity. And what I craved most was really just needing a quiet, safe space to be, like to sit, to decompress. And um, it was, it, it was definitely, <laughs> definitely a journey, but that's, that's really how and why I, I was able to bring my, my sort of my passion of all of the years of really believing and in taking some time to sit and um, you know healing arts and things to to create a space for people to really enjoy that downtime. I I I both have empathy and love that. I love that out of your own struggle and pain came something sort of blossomed this idea where you can help other people through Buddha booths and through the work that you do. And a lot of our listeners, actually all of our listeners tend to be parents who mm -hmm. are struggling in some way. They might be getting divorced, they might be divorced, or they might be together and just trying to keep all the balls in the air. Or wishing, or wishing they were divorced. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I think, in, I think in every relationship there comes, a, this is kind of how relationships go in my experience of the people that I work with. People fall in love and it's like, it's awesome. And they just, it's passionate and great. And the, you know, the other person is the answer to everything. And you know, they feel like more than they are when they're in the presence of that person, or maybe they feel really who they actually are. They're more than they think they are in the presence of that other person, whatever it is. Then they have kids and it gets real. And people start leading kind of these parallel lives. And at that point, you know, the, the marriage part becomes less on the top. And yeah, that's when the questions come up and that's when I think, I, happens. Yeah, and I, I think what happens too, I think people really feel like their single person of who they are is expected to be who they are when they're a parent in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And certainly speaking from my experience, I think I didn't allow myself to accept the growth and change of myself as um, the role of a mom, the role of a wife, the role of you know homemaker, soccer mom, whatever. Um, and so I had these false expectations of myself and needing to be 
this particular person that I was, you know, when we we're dating or courting. And I think that I've seen that pattern in a lot of people in a lot of relationships. Mm. So I know we're trying yeah. to we're trying to deviate a little no, bit. No, 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 no. It, it's it all works because uh, you know what I, what that brings up is I think for everyone, especially when you're in a relationship, there's this tension between who you are, who the who the relationship presents you as, mm. and then who you are as an individual. And it's yeah. sort of key to preserve both. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. it's the you, having that sense of who you are as an individual and who you are as, you know, a conjoined. The, right. The other piece of the relationship, but then also, as you mentioned before, the kids come along, and then who are you as the parenting partner versus the romantic partner versus, right. you know, uh, the, the new types of friends that you have because you're a parent. It's a totally different. Um, Completely you know, different than the friends you might have had alone when you were in high school yes. or college. Yeah, very, yep. very different. Yeah. yeah. So, how has mindfulness and meditation helped you in that journey? You know, in, it emerged out of this very painful time, but mm -hmm. it sounds like it was very formative in you figuring out who Francine is as as a parent, as a mm -hmm. an individual, as a part of a community, which is you know just how I came yeah. to know you. Right, and as, as a divorced mom, um, certainly all of those things came to play. And for me, um, meditation is something I was exposed to not knowing that it was meditation per se. As a teenager, I remember somebody sharing some guided meditations with me of like a body scan because I had a lot of trouble sleeping. And it wasn't until after I got divorced and I'd been going through a lot of trauma and um, had some bad things happen to me in my life and I, I kind of hit that point of meditate or medicate. Mm. And I hadn't really been on a path of meditation or self-healing in that same way before. And so I had a friend who sort of led me to a few resources and took me to a meditation group. And it was just something that really resonated with me. And I was exposed to uh, sort of somewhat of a, we'll call it the new agey group of, of practices uh, as well. and. I was, I was drawn to certain aspects of it. Um, I learned to practice Reiki and uh, loved that experience. I still love doing healing work with people, but having the, um, the opportunity to choose a path of self-healing versus self-destruction was really, really powerful for me. Mm -hmm. And I, it was before all of the apps out there, but yet there were people that were putting podcasts out of meditations. And I was trying to find things to help me sleep. I was trying to find things to help me with anxiety. And it really actually worked. And I was so grateful to have those things as a resource as I was navigating through um, trauma recovery and just trying to emerge as a new individual person, if you will, separate from having been a mom um, or a wife and, and leading me into uh, helping other people. And it was really that part of the journey was really magical for me, like having those tools to help myself, but sharing them with others. And it was sort of a natural segue when I started Buddha Booth to really focus on how we can help other people. And yes, it's a quiet, safe space to be. And yes, they're portable. And like, there's the fun selling points of it, but there's the fundamental benefits of taking that time out for yourself, no matter where you are. Um, you know, just a couple of minutes and, and people seek solace and there's just not a lot of it available right now. So uh, two things. So the first thing is I'm going to I want to ask you about those Buddha booths because I'm, I'm really interested. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on that for just one second. So, you know, I just want to sort of tap on what you were talking about. 
this idea that uh, meditation or mindfulness or uh, and also prayer actually is an aspect mm -hmm. of that can be a, a very a healing force. And mm -hmm. just for the listeners, you know, the brain science shows that when we are, when we've been through trauma or stress, you know, our amygdala tends to grow. That's the part of our brain that's always looking for danger. And it's always talking. Like it's just, it's always oh, like yeah. it's talking about, sure. it's either talking about something you just did. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. Is that going to come back mm -hmm. to get me? Or mm -hmm. it's talking about what's, oh my God, I have an interview with Francine. I hope it's going to be okay. It's always, it's <laughs> always talking. It's the other way right? around. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it was created originally or it evolved originally to be like looking for tigers, but we don't have a lot of tigers anymore. So yeah. now it does this. And when we've yeah. been through a really traumatic experience, that part of our brain is super active. So the studies yeah. show that when we practice mindfulness, meditation, prayer, it takes us out of our amygdala. And the studies are like uh, mm -hmm. magnetic st studies of the brain of people actually mm -hmm. meditating. And it takes yeah. us to a whole nother part of our brain that's much more rational. So yeah. like meditation, mindfulness and prayer are super effective in taking us out of that part that's going, whoa, danger, 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 yeah. fear, 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 yes. which can and lead to either anger or running away. And yeah. the, the, the other part is that the amygdala, amygdala actually physically shrinks over mm -hmm. time when we have these practices in our life regularly. So and, now, the, and the gray the, matter increases. Right, you know, right. The, yeah, the so, let's, yes. the Buddha, so yes. why the Buddha booth though is the question. <laughs> well, why do, why, <laughs> how did you hit on that and how is it helpful? So again, kind of pulling back this sort of just general practices, um, as you mentioned, um, there are definitely science-backed benefits of mindfulness, prayer, meditation, and prayer is a less studied in in certain ways because people feel there's the bias because of different religions, but um, meditation in and of itself or mindfulness in and of itself. Um, you know, I heard a speaker a few years back, basically, you know, talking about how, you know, prayer is when you ask, meditation is when you get your answers. Mm -hmm. And I wholeheartedly believe that when you take the time to sit and go within those, all of those, those answers and clarity things start to bubble up for you. And, and just to um, back you up there, the brain science shows that when people pray, the same area of the brain is lit up as when you meditate, but also mm -hmm. your, the oral part of your brain is lit up too. So it is a different experience. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, and it is, it is because you're, you know, you're, you're not, maybe you're not looking for danger, but you're, there's still a part of you talking. Whereas yeah. in mindfulness and meditation, it sounds like there's less, well, from the studies anyway, there's less of that going on. Right. I think in, in prayer, a lot of times people are looking for an answer from their God or, or uh, an action or making requests or praying for somebody else. And when you're meditating, there are many different forms of meditation. Of course, there, there was like somebody said there's like 7 billion forms of meditation because every single person who does yeah. it is different. And the same with prayer. Uh, mindfulness in particular is really more about being present in the moment and paying attention on purpose mm. to really just being there. And I find that the uh, experience of being in, and again, we'll, we'll talk about the Buddhists because I happen to have some here, um, but it's just, it's a way, it's a physical reminder and a space for people to take that time and just spend three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. Seasoned meditators can do it anywhere. But if somebody is new and they're thinking about, wow, you know, or maybe I'll take a class or maybe I'll download an app, that's great. Well, what happens when you are, we're gonna say at work, because we're really super optimistic that everyone's going back to work soon. Um, and certainly in the past they're at work. 
you know, how is somebody going to feel comfortable starting a new practice during the day when they don't really have any privacy to do it yeah. or a place to go or, um, you know, in, in, a, in a home where there's, there's noise. I mean, I love my kids used to park themselves in a booth and do their homework. And um, I love to just sit there and you know, I'll take my laptop in and write for hours. Don't tell anybody. And um, it's just, there's, there's so many benefits of just being um, intentionally just being, you know, downtime. Um, we're on our screens, we're, you know, on the go. So the, the benefits are across the board um, in the workplace. Certainly you can increase productivity, increase camaraderie, increase creativity, all of the things that go along with the benefits of mindfulness and meditation. Well, I think also when we, having had a pretty hardcore meditation practice most of my life, I can safely say that there is, there can be a safety aspect to it. I, mm -hmm. I remember uh, when I, fir the first time somebody asked me to sit and close my eyes, I was like, uh oh, what's gonna <laughs> no. happen? What's gonna happen now? And yeah. so I could very easily see how if I had had, if I were in an enclosed space mm -hmm. that I would have felt safer because I would, you know, I would have known that, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded and that may sound yeah. silly, but uh, I Not think it, it, it's about, it's about if, it goes if we're, we're going to stop just, our amygdala from chattering, yes. I was gonna say, you need to feel back safe. To what you just said, exactly. Like there's no fight, fight or freeze when you know that you're sort of enveloped in a, in a safe space where there's, you're not being watched. You're not being, you know, it's, it's very, very quiet in there, but it's not so soundproof. You wouldn't know what's going on around you. Uh, it's really just a way to, it's quiet, it's soft, it's dark. And just like when we were kids, we built blanket forts. You know, who didn't like throw a blanket over the table and, you know, hide underneath or over the beds or whatever, because it's, it's the way to make us feel safe and comfortable and just by the physical environment. And, and some people don't like to be with themselves so much. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so it might not be as good, which is why having guided meditations are really helpful or listening to therapeutic music and things like that. Those are, those are good tools for people who don't want to sit by themselves. Yeah, so uh, speaking of guided meditations, I'd love to hear more about your mindset project that you co-founded. So I had, um, you know, the good things that came out of COVID would be um, that I was extremely burned out and I really needed a break. So although we had a ton of orders canceled because of it, I was really grateful to have the downtime. And with that downtime came an opportunity for creation and collaboration with a friend of mine, uh, Kristen Westbrook, who was the founder of Calm City, which is a mobile meditation studio here in New York. So we were kind of dabbling at working together anyway, sort of working side by side, looking uh, to, to do some, some projects and share clients before. So with the shutdown, it gave us the opportunity to create some self-care workshops that we call rest shops. And essentially, Kristen is, is very well trained as a meditation instructor. I, on the other hand, am not the slowest person. <laughs> you know, I like to get myself slow to really facilitate the meditations. So my specialty is really teaching people sort of simple tips and tricks on the go. So we're working with doctors, we're working with um, the social workers and psychologists that are helping the teachers right now mm -hmm. throughout this whole time. Um, and we're working with um, a, a number of staff members at universities to give them small bits of things like a box breath. You know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the box breath, 
but it's, you know, inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four, inhale. So you, you know, we teach that the box mm -hmm. and um, I love to teach uh, word um, meditations, if you will, or, or affirmations. So you, you pick a word, mm -hmm. I am love, I am peace, I am joy and recite it. So those are the things that we, we kind of combine in our rest shops. So we've got the meditations that Kristen can take um, people through, body scans, uh, loving kindness, different. So we have a series of them. And we bring the uh, sort of the energy and collaboration to work with people um, in, in the group with group exercises. And then I'll show you the other part of what we came up with. And so with the rest shops, we realized that people needed a little bit something more tangible. And just like I feel that the Buddha booth is a great tangible reminder in a, a workspace or hospital or somewhere for people to practice what they're learning, but we decided they needed some tools. So with that in mind, we created a mindset, which I'm not sure it's probably upside down. <laughs> I turn it over the other way. Um, so so uh, self-care and mindfulness tools in a box. And it's everything from like scalp massager, which is uh -huh. like one of my absolute favorites. Um, this will make you tingle forever. And when someone else does it, it's even better. Uh, we have a journal. It's basically, it's like a 90 day journal uh, that gives you prompts every day, like for your gratitude and right. uh, mindfulness cards. So we've got different things you can do for that. We have incense, we have some books, which are fabulous, candles, little word stones, inspirational things, and just a, a collection of, of fun things that really can facilitate the practice of um, like beginning practices of, of mindfulness or meditation and, and inspire people. You know, you can carry can, can I make a on the desk. for that box you just showed us? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'd like to make a pitch for that because the contents are great. Just uh, actually, yeah, this is, so you know, this is the first time I'm seeing this, but um, all the studies in positive psychology show that if you want to have an increased sense of well-being, on the list are, of course, mindfulness, meditation, prayer, but also mm -hmm. journaling. If you journal mm -hmm. four times a week, that yep. increases your sense of well-being. Also, if you write five things that you're grateful for, you know, five, yep. seven times a week, which you know, you've got both of those elements in there. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also uh, want to make a pitch for affirmations, which I used to think were really goofy. Like first I got into them, I was kind of new age guy myself and I thought, oh, affirmations, they're so cool. And then I was like, what the heck am I doing this for? But now as a professional, you know, I, I've really, I'm really come to respect my unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. So we all got, you know, 80 or 90, beautiful mug, by the way, 80 or 90% of us are totally unconscious and it's programmed. So what, you know, what, I, what I've come to finally embrace in my ancient times is that when we do a meditation with an affirmation, we're basically giving a message to our unconscious mind. You know that so whatever messages we might have received as a child, um, mm -hmm. you're stupid, you're ugly, or you know any kind of negative thing that our parents might have unconsciously. I'm brilliant. I'm friendly. I'm right. You can, yeah, you yeah, can, you can reprogram change. that dog. You know, yep. it's not like we're stuck with that forever. Well, those yeah. those original <laughs> things may be present, but they don't have to be the only thing. So I, I love what you're talking about here, but in terms Thank of you. stuff that I would offer my clients, this is, that box is the bomb. Exactly, and that's, well, sorry, let me pat ourselves on the shoulder, but we just feel like it was the right collection of things. And I was looking for my my other favorite besides the, the scalp thing, we have a, a scented sanitizer spray. So it's like a mask sanitizer, so mm -hmm. you can spray your mask. 
peppermint or lavender. Oh, my mask I, so you, bad. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I'm just, I'm hooked on these things. So, you know, we're, we're doing everything, all of our film, film in and um, shipment and stuff out of our office here in Westchester. Yeah. Oh, and how do just... people find you? I keep, I keep meeting to ask that question. <laughs> okay. and I get excited about what you have. So how do they find the, the Buddha booth? How do they find uh, mindset? How do they find the, the mind? Uh, everything, all the other stuff. So yeah. we're working on a, a consolidated website, but for now we have buddhabooth.com and it's mm -hmm. B-U-D-D-H-A booth. So buddhabooth.com, although I think if you misspell it, it'll still go there. And um, we have mindsetting.com, M-Y-N-D-S-E-T-T-I-N-G. That I think is on here. Let's see. Does it yes. show? It does. So mindsetting.com, and uh, Kristen is calmcitynyc.com. So the Buddha Booth site, we actually put a banner up that can take you to mindset, uh, mindsetting.com for people because we had sort of a holiday rush of things and people were trying to find mindsets. <laughs> I'm like, wait, they're like, just no Buddha Booth. So, so we're looking at, at sort of creating an, an overarching, um, I guess, brand suite, if you will, where everything is sort of integrated and connected because we've got uh, you know, sort of our, our individual businesses, and now we have our joint business, but it's all integrated. So, you know, we're working with some mm -hmm. hospitals that is like, okay, they want the workshops, but they want the mindsets in their gift shop and for their doctors, and then they want mm -hmm. the booths. So, so we're, we're pulling that all together. So I can Great. certainly be, you know, easily reached on LinkedIn and, um, you know, francinabudabooth.com is an easy way to get me to. Awesome. Yeah. We'll make sure all of that information is in the notes for this podcast for slash video blog, whichever edition you're listening to or watching. And I just, I'm sort of fascinated by the Buddha booth. You know, I live in a house with a lot of people and I share my bedroom and I share my office. And I am often wondering where am I going to have my time for my practices? And I think that if you're living, I know that these are your, your best location for these in terms of overall sales has probably been corporate settings, which is on hold for now. But I'm just going to say that if you're living in a home like mine, a Buddha booth might not be such a bad thing for you. We definitely have private clients. We do have people who, who have them in their homes and or travel with them. We have some clients who still travel and, and take them to their events. And You can travel and, with your Buddha booth? So they are portable. They come apart. They go into four pieces. So they're, they're easy to move around. And um, yeah, I mean, the whole idea was to have something that is accessible anywhere so that's crazy events that. events trade shows but you want them in your corner office in your bedroom whatever you know we'll, we'll work with you and get them to fit that's brilliant thank you that's brilliant all right so my last question you've been a wonderful guest by the way thank you're you. just so knowledgeable and super bubbly I, like we're gonna have to do this again but my last <laughs> <I'm> question, <game. laughs> my last question for any guest is francine what is the legacy you want to leave behind I would like to leave behind, other than gazillions of dollars, um, I would love to have my children remember me as somebody who made um, quiet and quiet, safe spaces and, and mindfulness accessible to many. So I want to be known as somebody who really lived their lives helping others feel good. The mother of mindfulness. I love it. You could be you could be here like your new thing on your business card. Mother of mindfulness. Mother of mindfulness. <laughs> yeah, a, a Buddha booth in every home. 
Yes, that would be great. Um, and a mindset uh, okay. box in every office. Exactly. Everybody going back to work and you know working from home, actually. I mean, we've been sending these out to so many employees well, for, for people, for employers who wanted to send them to their 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 staff, their their clients and stuff, because it's just a nice little segue and like we're thinking of you we want you to feel well kind of gift. that's that's something that's going to keep happening though you know is yeah. like all the corporate the corporate world is, is latching on to the idea that they can save money and overhead by using yep. some of the tools they've developed during the pandemic which is a good thing for them and for everyone i, I hope yeah yeah well hopefully it'll be it'll be a nice uh, shift in in our society for people to to rebalance how they spend their time Right, commuting well, is commuting is not one of those fun things so yeah it's, it's a lot of time in commuting well thank you so much for thank sharing you. sharing yourself and your mind and being the mother of mindfulness <laughs> thanks rich i really appreciate being okay. here thanks a lot